Buenos días, eh, bienvenido a Hechos de Ron, me llamo Nick Miller eh, y ahí se llama Juan Ancador. Hoy no estamos en un barco y también Juan no es de más vacaciones, eh, es solo él, yo y este pequeño podcast, divertirse. Eh, Juan, ¿cómo estás? I don't understand your lingo! Oh yeah, sorry, I, I just a little stroke and switched languages, but I'm back now and I'm feeling better. It's good. How many languages can you do that in now? Um, how many languages can I do that in without much preparation? I have to admit, I did have to look up how to say um, how Juan is not on his um, extended vacations, and I couldn't quite get that. Because what's interesting, you know that in every language, going on vacation uses a different weird um, way of saying it. Like, I think it, it, in French it's... Uh, I've got, I've got, I've forgotten it. It's, 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 in some languages, it's with vacation. Some languages, it's to vacation. In Spanish, it's of vacation. Um, which is it in French again? Uh, uh, within vacation. Yes. Upon, beneath, and around vacation. Yes. So anyway, that, that I, I needed to find out how to put the um, how to put the modifier in to show that you were on your endless vacations. Did you yeah. look up? I wish I were. I'm back at work. Did you look up? Uh, podcast and discover there was no word and have to just say podcast then. No, I, I, I don't. I've decided that there wasn't a word and decided oh. to say podcast. I'm, I also um, decided that you were Juan Ancador because an Ancador is a walker. So I'm not sure how that translates <laughs> properly. So you're Juan Ancador. Our Spanish listener will let us know, I'm sure. I hope they do. So how, how are you, Juan? Oh, yeah, I've got a little bit of a cold, Nick. Should we talk about it for a bit? Well, you seem to have had a little coldy coffee whoppy for about 12 centuries now. Two weeks. Twelve when centuries. I was a, when I was a, a wee lad, when mm-hmm. I was in my fertile 20s, yes. I would, a cold would last four, to, four days, maybe. I mean, no, we have, it would last two weeks. I mean, we have discussed this, and you I have know. a conspiracy theory about that, don't you? you I don't think? have a conspiracy it's theory. It's all I the scientists. A, I just have a theory that I am rapidly degrading. You are? That's my theory. Well, it's not a theory; it's a fact. One day I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get. If I get a cold in my fifties, that will be it. It will be. It's I'll just terrible. be in a coma for the rest of my live long life. So, when you last spoke, we were the on a topic. Post. Nick, the topic. Oh, it's episode one hundred and sixty-nine. And and the topic is. Why aren't there airline flights on the NHS? And you were on a we were on a boat last time we talked. We're not on a boat this time. And then you had a terrible few weeks where you weren't on vacation, but that was solved pretty quickly, and you went to Crete. Yes, that's right. I was there was a month, a hideous month of. Of just sitting around in my own filth. And you weren't working. No. Well, I was, but I wasn't working on rock, paper, shotgun. But, but on the other hand, it was still intolerable because you weren't on holiday. At, oh. a, at a holiday destination. So then you went to Crete. Did you enjoy Crete? It was, it was very lovely indeed. Crete's amazing. I recommend Crete. Do you? Yes, I do recommend Crete. I don't recommend July. No, I've heard it can be problematic in July. It's a, it's a smidgen on the hot side. We went into the local town, which has a name, mm-hmm. and we went there at uh, deliberately left be- at eight thirty. 
And we had a very nice time until about 10.30, at which point all we could do was just run from shade to shade. Right. Well, that's fair enough. And I assume the air conditioning was working there. The not in our hotel room, no. We had to, it got it fixed halfway through the week. How did you cope? I, by grumbling. I went into... <laughs> I didn't know. It, it, with air conditioning, you just don't know what... Uh, you're missing out on until you experience someone else's. I went into my sister's room because this was a uh, my parents retired this year and this was a kind of uh, a, big, a big family shindig, what we've never done before. Yes. Um, I uh, got taken out to Crete by my extraordinarily generous parents. Very nice. Um, yes, very nice indeed. And um, I went into my sister's room and they had, it was ice cold. It was amazing in there. But your sister is a woman. This bitch, her husband is a man. Yeah, but she, she, nevertheless, she's a woman, and therefore she decides that she wants it to be a sauna. Otherwise, she's too <laughs> I don't. I didn't get involved. I don't know whether they had any battles of that nature. But I think my sister is like me. I think she prefers to be cool than hot. All right, fair enough. Unusual. But she lives in the, the France, so yeah. she has uh, she has abundant hot weather. Which that's not true. She lives in Brittany, so she just has British weather. Yes, it's even the clues even in the name. That's right. Yeah. They just get the, the weather two hours uh, later than we do. How long's the flight to Crete? Is it two? Three and a half hours. That's about 45 minutes too long. It is. And I remember the name. The name of the town is Rithymno. That's just mm-hmm. come back to me. I remember that because I was trying to remember the name of the airport, which is a frightening place. Oh, really? It was so bad. I watched people just being shoved through. The passport control was such a disaster. People were just kind of looking confused and wandering past without having their passports checked and stuff like that. Oh, dear. So if you're a terrorist and you're looking for a good airport to Crete's, get on the planes... Crete's a good place I to... Think I suggest Crete. Excellent. Excellent lack of security for you. Excellent, you, uh, excellent terrorism facilities. Actually, I should say that the security was done properly. It was just the passport check that wasn't done properly. You should say that, even if it's not true. I should. It is actually true. Um, I don't know. I don't know of a good suggestion. If you are a terrorist and you want to get a bomb onto a plane, I, I'm not. I can't help. I'm afraid. I don't know a good airport for that. Oh, pity. Sorry about that. But if you don't, if your passport's out of date and you don't want any fuss, yes, Crete. I recommend Crete. Sounds sounds a good option. Good tra- traveling tips. Um, Thanks very much. So I'm, basically, I'm the very, very lonely and deservedly so planet guide. So when 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 you're off to America, then I mean, you've been back for nearly a week now. So surely yes. you've got to be off soon on a ship. No plans. <laughs> You're not going to be going on a... Well, my thing. stupid wife has gone got herself pregnant. Oh, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Good news. And she... Yeah, good news. Yes. And so she can't go on aeroplanes anymore because she's too fat. <laughs> they won't take off. Yeah, she'll just bump along the bottom. Exactly. The plane will go... Ah, 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 I can't do it. How's she enjoying it? I read her blog post yesterday. She's having, like she said in her blog post, she, use a blog without irony again, I, I can't get used to it. Um, she is having a very good pregnancy. I mean, she's not, you know, it's not like a laugh, but she isn't having any major symptoms or any big problems. The only stuff she's had is... Uh, What's that? That might have been me rolling around on my chair. My rolling? Well, stop it. No, it was me. Has it stopped now? Can you still hear it? I can't now. No, that, it must have been... Now I can. I think it's your awful microphone. Uh, but, uh, no, it's your awful connection. You're so terrible. I know. Well, you'll, no hear, it when it's on. you'll hear it as your fault when it's on. Stupid prego face, Laura. Yeah, well, uh, how many months is it now? Three months more? Three months to go, which is just... It just 
just takes forever. I told you that time would do peculiar things. It's so... I'm so bored. Like, it's not even three months. We're in the third trimester, but actually it's three months and one week. And it has been. It's been three yeah. months and one week for about three weeks now. Yes. It's the opposite of what time normally does for you. And I've been told that the final week before your due date takes as long as the whole pregnancy so far. And Correct. the week after, the between your due date and actually having the baby yes. is about three years. It is. And then labour is about a millennium. Well, uh, the good thing is, Laura's just going to have a no-fuss three-hour labour, so... Oh, she's choosing one of those. No, I'm, I'm choosing one of those. Well, it seems sensible. I don't know why people like to do all the operatics, but there you are. We are doing it on the NHS, which is problematic, obviously. We'll slow things down a little bit, but... Yeah, fair enough. So, what's news with you? Um, uh, I felt my baby kick. Did you? I did. That was quite did, fun. did you shove your hand right in and <laughs> all the way up? Puppeteered her. I did. All right. He um, no, it's very. We in fact, he's so kicky kicky now that you can see her belly doing little bops. Mm. Didn't even have to feel it. That's good because you were worried, weren't you? Well, when... I'm perpetually worried. I'm convinced. That it's of still spiders. Death all the time. <laughs> you think it's still spiders cleverly? It uh, could be a nest plot. of spiders. She Clever. could. She For could cleverly feel... forming impressions of limbs and things. That's right. <laughs> Cunning little devils. Yes. She, um, she, could, she could just be faking. She could be faking, actually. And she might be in league with the scanners at the hospital. Could be. They could just be colleagues of she hers. Could be, she could have big shares in, uh, in, in, in uh, big... Um, oh, I'll kill me now. <laughs> Thanks. Go, Lucy, go! Phew, Lucy distracted me and got me away from the, not being able to remember the word sonog- sonography. Is that a yeah. word? You're going to be so annoyed when you hear the that your microphone has been doing constantly. It's throughout. not my microphone. If, if anything, it's my creaky chair, but it won't be No, it's up. not. It's, it's, it's the sound of a microphone's wobbling. Listen, listen to John. I'm rec- it's perfect at this end. It won't record any disruption that gets over the airwaves by the time it reaches you. You'll see. I won't. I won't see. I'll gouge my eyes out before I'll see. You are going to gouge your eyes. Oh, Nick, sorry, I have to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, a child has died somewhere in the... Uh, oh, sorry, it, it was a Syrian child, doesn't matter. Carry on. <laughs> oh, yes. I was trying to try not to talk about that because I've given up. I've actually have just you, given up. You've just given up. I have, I, I've just given up. I mean, on Twitter and everything, I've just given up. Today, um, a little a sort of 20-something-year-old was uh, tweeting to Robert Morgan about how they... You know, the, the, these two sides really should just sit down and talk. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? And it was kind of, and I said, well, it's a little bit more. They said, all they need to do is negotiate and then it'll be sorted out. In fairness, so does the Guardian's op-ed today. Yeah. <laughs> it says the same thing. Well, no, but I said, I said, well, th- that's easy to say, but there isn't a shared enthymeme. For example, on one side, you've got somebody whose charter explicitly says that their ambition is to kill all the Jews in the world. And the Rotarians, by the way. And the Lions Club, bizarrely. Um, <laughs> Well, go and look at it. It's in the Hamas bloody charter. I know, it's brilliant. And the problem with negotiating with those sources is that these days, for some reason, the bloody Jews take seriously people who tell them that they're going to kill all of them. Why? Um, what? That's just that's and, just conspiracy theory, yeah. that is. Uh, I mean, it, it's on their bloody website, the charter. You can go and have a look. But yes, that, the, and, the, and the point is, um, I said, well, how do you negotiate with that? Do you negotiate the number? I said, well, well, it's a bit like fur Q, you know, we won't kill all of them, just some of them. <laughs> so I said, you know, and he, and, and what was, and fine, I mean, this is just usually making the usual debating points as I thought I was, and I was waiting for him to come back and say they don't actually mean that anymore, or it's more complex. But what he right. says, oh, I didn't realise that, I thought this was just a normal territorial dispute. 
And I thought, wow. how can you go around making these wise comments where you don't know the most basic notion about what's going on. And he says, well, it happened before I was born, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's true. It's before his time. Well, it was. I thought, well, okay. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't know then. Um, it's another reason why everyone should watch Pointless. They've banned the phrase, that's before my time. Quite. Which quite. I, a quiz show that bans that being an excuse for not knowing the answer is a quiz show worth watching. <laughs> well, what, what really? Was, was there actually a quiz show that said that? What's the quote? Oh, every quiz show says if you watch any quiz show on TV, someone goes, uh, in, uh, in 1233, which king ate uh, a jolly big mince pie? And they'll go, oh, I don't know, that, that's before my time. Oh, right. Richard Osman, Richard Osman gets very cross with people who say that on Pointless. Um, he was saying, like, there's some question about prime ministers over the years. And she goes, oh, they're all before my time. And he said, you know, Churchill's before most of our times, right? Yeah. I, 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 will, I will say one thing, you know, um, the comment that people have been making that these, uh, you know, these, these wily Israelis and these Jews are very good at, uh, at killing and so forth and genocide. Well, you know what? It's because they can use their hooked noses no, as uh, reticules when you see, targeting I, I don't think I don't think it's been good enough because... Look at it. You've got Israel over there who has some of the best munitions in the world um, and some of the most professional armies. Uh, and all they have to do is raise a very small amount of land, so probably smaller than Pontypreeth, and they'll kill everyone. Whereas if it's supposed to be a genocide, why they're so bad at it? I mean, the Rwandans managed to kill nearly a million with machetes in six weeks. Uh, so what's going on there? Do we, do we need to send in some Rwandans to teach them how to do it? Because they're all too full of baby blood. Well, uh, maybe it is, because the fact is, it's a weird genocide where the population of the genocidal peoples is growing, but, but there you go. Now, that's not to say that when I look at, uh, as you well know, and I can imagine people listening, when I, when I look at... What I hope the enjoy, this hell is Lucy, is going he's gone away into a cardboard box. You can't blame me for this. Well, I, I, I can, apparently I can blame for you for this. I demand a unilateral ceasefire. <laughs> okay, I'm going, I'll go and let her know. Carry on with what you were saying, sorry. Yeah. Go on then. Lucy, what are you doing? <laughs> She's got herself stuck in a box. Yeah. Oh, you annoying cat. He is oh. so annoying. It's unbelievable. There is something weird about his tone today. Have you noticed? It's a bit odd. Something weird about what? Sorry? Nothing. Um, what? Uh, anyway, uh, it's a pity I should have collected it for this podcast but I, I i like to when i when i'm de- when i see overly impassioned news reports even when it's dealing with something as rightly emotional as the genuine death of children yes that's especially when you have to start being very careful with the statistics and with what's actually going on because otherwise any side can start shouting and emoting and we don't see past the fog of war. So I actually looked up, I thought it'll be very interesting because people are claiming that this is disproportionate and there are very, and they're specifically targeting civilians. So I got a report, which I think was actually a UN report, and I wish I would have collected it for this podcast, but I don't have it with me at the moment. I'll assume um, you're lying, don't worry. Well, well, I mean, uh, I, I'll, I, should, I will try and provide a link, because it's quite interesting and important. And there was a report, that, and it demonstrated statistically and pro rata, compared British and American military assaults in Iraq and Afghanistan and in Libya, and, and in fact, uh, importantly, in, in Serbia, and it compared the ratio of civilian casualties to what the civilian casualties of the IDF is at the moment. And the IDF is substantially below Britain and uh, America in all those cases. 
at, and that's even when we know that Hamas is deliberately encouraging civilian deaths as part of their strategy. So, again, we need to be careful when we analyse what's actually going here on here. And when you look at the statistics, it's not quite what your friend John Snow says. Now, oh, does that now does that necessarily mean? that I agree with everything that Israel's doing. Yes, it does. You yes. have said something that is not directly condemn- condemning of everything Israel has done and entirely against them, and therefore you are entirely in favour of everything they do. And in fact, you think it's good that they tank yeah. shelled that school. Yeah, I do. I think it's marvellous. But yes. I'll t- I-, I-, I do know, because I happen to know how some people operate out there, and every battalion basically has effectively a lawyer hanging around it, and they have to ask the lawyer whether they can do X, Y, and Z because there is due process and it can actually get very messy and complicated. And what's quite amusing is that the Israeli army are actually complaining that they're being hamstrung by having to take too much uh, cognizance of this. So it's it. But again, my opinions aren't quite what you might think they'd be because I actually wish that Israel hadn't been created in the first place. Interesting. Is that because you hate all the Jews? Well, obviously, yes, but no, what I, I just think it was, I think that in that part of the world, it, it is such a cesspit of um, tumult, and effectively, that part of the world is going through med, what Europe went through in medieval times, except it's going through it now, that I think any attempt to reintroduce, uh, what well, it's not even reintroduce, I mean, the, to, re, to re-empower Jews in that area wasn't going to work, and it was just going to cause the sort of nonsense that we see it cause. It's caused subsequently. Now, I will. I want to break one very important part of the narrative, and that is a lot of people. The reason why they're opposed, and we we can be flippant about, it and we can say, "Oh, it's because everybody's anti-Semitic," but I don't think that's the case. I think for those who genuinely don't feel hatred in their heart, but just find themselves more burning about this issue than any others, often what it is is they feel that there's a kind of uh, traditional Western colonial narrative going on there. There are are a bunch of Western settlers who have deposed a lot of um, indigenous people, and this is disgusting. I mean, of course, they ignore Australia and all of that, but let's take that as read, and let's say that, okay, there is a point. But what we must realize... Well, I mean, I would argue there's probably not a very good point. I think there is some some quite well-documented history of, of the Jewish people living in that area. Yeah, but people don't, genuinely, people don't know about that. But even more, and here's the more important point. Yes, a lot of people, for some reason, in the 40s, went there from Europe. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that reason was. Um, something must have happened between <laughs> uh, between uh, 39 and, and 45, I guess. Um, and maybe someone had a, a, a falling out. Yeah, maybe somebody had a falling out. But there were Europeans. But actually, a huge proportion of the Israeli population are Mizrahi Jews, who are effectively Arab Jews, who come from that area and the surrounding countries, who have been there longer than Islam has existed as a religion. I was looking up the stats today, 20% of the population of Israel is um, is Arabic Muslim. Yes. Um, and 6% is Dries. Druze. Dries. I pronounce it Dries. Well, the Druze, the Druze, six percent Druze, and sorry, sorry, nine percent Druze, nine percent something else, eight, blah, 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 yeah. But the interesting thing about the Druze is a lot of the um, IDF's uh, top commanders are Druze, and the one who got very badly injured last week was actually a Druze. It's it, it's much more complicated than people hmm. think, yes. and also people genuinely don't know about Israeli Arabs. They think that 
there are Palestinian, any, any Arab in that area is a Palestinian. It's astonishing. They don't realize that Israeli Arab um, citizens have the exact same rights as any other citizen. They vote, they're in the, they're in the Knesset, they are on the Supreme Court, uh, etc. The only thing they don't have to do is they don't have the obligation, they don't have to join the army because that was considered unfair. Right. But they can if they want to, but they are, well, won't be drafted. But that's about it. Now, that's an interesting thing because you, when, uh, when you present somebody the case of an Arab-Israeli and you say, well, where's the apartheid then? Which is the phrase that's banded about. And you, might say, yes. you might say, okay, well, what there is, is there is there are oppressing uh, subjugated people in uh, something that's not quite their country and isn't quite anybody else's country. Of course, we know Gaza used to be owned by Egypt and mm -hmm. Egypt, Egypt certainly don't want it back and Egypt are blockading it very fearsomely at the moment. Um, and so there is a question about, well, what the hell do you do with, with, with Gaza? And it's a, it's, a, it's a legitimate question because actually beyond all the hysterics of the last uh, few weeks, the West Bank was actually developing quite interestingly, and there was a lot of kind of security cooperation between the uh, Palestinian troops in the West Bank and the IDF and so on. There's a lot of business cooperation going on. There are even early talks about building up its tourism industry and so forth. But of course, Gaza with Hamas in it, for some reason, seems to be in a very different situation. And yet, remember, that's the one that they unilaterally pulled out of. So the arguments today are, you need to stop the embargo. Problem is, if the, if you, if the blockade, problem is, we remember what used to happen when the borders were much more porous, and I don't remember, know if you remember the various well, buses. buses would go yeah, down. well, well, exactly, and it's a horrible utilitarian uh, answer that that solved that problem. Now, I don't suppose that it's a joy for anybody to be harassed at, at the borders like that, but then again, what's going to happen if and when it does become an independent state? They'll have absolutely no rights to enter at all, and. At that point, Israel can say, this is a separate country. If you want to come in, get a visa. Uh, and so I don't see how even independence will solve that. It'll have to be a lot more than independence and a whole new um, era of trust will have to be built up. And here's what I think is interesting. I'm not actually that pessimistic about that at the moment, which you might think is paradoxical. No, I mean, I'm interested. I've heard this before and I'm interested in it. I was going to raise this. Well, the reason I, I for the first time, I'm I, I'm feeling a little bit positive, is that you'll know you'll notice that a lot of other countries around the area have not been reporting massively anti-Israeli sentiment, which is weird because they usually take every opportunity. Of course, people like Turkey and Iran have because they directly supply Hamas and so on, mm -hmm. but. Egypt and even, God help us, Saudi Arabia, yes. if, if you look at their news reports, have been blaming Hamas, which is pretty unprecedented. Now, of course, in Egypt, the reason is that uh, Hamas is the offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. And we know very well what happened to the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, um, Saudi Arabia feel threatened by Hamas, especially now that they see that there is ISIS happening just uh, up the road from them as well. Yes. So I think a lot of Arab countries are waking up to this and saying, actually, this is a dangerous poison. And what's interesting is tacitly, um, it's almost like for the first time, Israel is conducting a proxy war on behalf of some of the other regional players there who are 
very surreptitiously but clearly cheering them on. And that's interesting because for the first time, except for one or two exceptions since its creation, Israel is becoming involved in the tumult of real politic there, which is the first step to being acknowledged as a nation within the region, whether you particularly like it or not. You say, actually, this is a chess piece we have to deal with and actually sometimes can be a useful chess piece. And because of this, I wonder whether... Uh, how, how, well, we know very well Hamas is feeling terribly threatened and financially threatened because Egypt closed its tunnels well before Israel did. And a lot of the money that Hamas was smuggling in, effectively they were charging tolls to get stuff in and out of those tunnels, is now blocked and Hamas is running out of cash. And that's what started all this kidnapping and the rocketing again. But my, so, I wonder, maybe I'm completely off base here, but what are the chances that if you weaken or remove Hamas that you create a vacuum that ISIS fills? Um, they are a different... Um, they have different tribal loyalties and so forth. And well, then ISIS are killing Hamas in some areas. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, so it wouldn't be that simple. But maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I kind of feel at the moment that that sort of vicious um, reductio ad absurdum Islamism is going to be burning itself out. It's going to be supernovering. It's gone beyond what even the most uh, brainwashed uh, of populations will accept as, as as valuable. I just can't. Man, maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm insufficiently racist. <laughs> but I can't... I, 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 I don't believe that... Uh, it's, it's, it's like you, you, you have a certain level of authoritarian brutality which you can sustain for a certain amount of time. But the escalation that ISIS represents seems to me to be pushing it beyond what those populations will allow uh, for very long. Yeah, because I see it, that. Because it's unsustainable. Think, just think about it almost in the physics. It, there is too much energy that has to keep being put into the system to make it work. It's a bit like imagining Stalinism would work for, uh, I don't know, a century Nobody, I, I just don't ever feel Stalinism could work for a century. And the only places where it can work are in places like North Korea, which are utterly isolated and effectively they're killing their whole population whilst doing it. Yes. Um, but that sort of region, I, it, it can't work. And I, I mean, I, I hope not to be proven wrong on this one, but my gut feeling is in 10 years' time, things are going to be a lot more positive in that region. Oh, I hope, do hope you're right. Well, by then, ISIS will have got hold of an Ebola-filled filled nuke. Yes, and, yes. Uh, did you, oh, did you see that it's actually pretty easy to um, create an Ebola uh, vaccine, but the pharmaceutical companies can't be asked because it's only blacks who get it until oh, now. Fair enough, then. I want you to know. read you my favourite bit from The Guardian's op-ed today. Oh, uh, this is going to upset me, John. No, it's not. It's fine, honestly. Okay. Um... It says the world, the outside world must help devise a ceasefire which stops the killing and puts in place arrangements on access, a degree of demilitarization and the return of those return of the Palestinian Authority. But that will not last long if Israel simply sinks back into the limbo land of of, uh, most of its politicians have come to prefer a land where peace can be constantly postponed. And Israelis, although occasionally surprised by bouts of nastiness, can go off to the supermarket as if they were in Denmark. Mm. Denmark is an interesting choice to put in there, bearing in mind what happened in Copenhagen a couple of days ago. Well, quite. And uh, I thought, was re- why would you pick Denmark, the place where really frightening anti-Semitic riots have just occurred? 
Well, quite, yeah. Like, Jews turned out couldn't just go to the supermarket. No, and the police said, we can't protect you anymore, go exactly. away. That's, I think that's the most um, problematic thing. It's when the police say, we can't protect you anymore. And at that point, you see, I don't have a lot of time for the Melanie Phillipses of this world to go, and I'm like, oh, look, it's Eurabia happening over here. But then you see images like Holocaust survivors having to be ushered out through the back of, par- of the parliament building because otherwise they'd be killed by the baying mob. And at that point, you do pause a bit. You think, actually, the police in a modern European nation explicitly said they couldn't predict, they couldn't protect a particular vulnerable member of their population. And one has to worry at that point, I think, just a little. Maybe now's a good time to buy shares in a, a meat wagon company. <laughs> yes, well, I don't know. I don't think... I've appalled myself. They won't be nearly as competent as the Germans, though, will they? Let's be honest. The Danes or the Brits, which ones? The uh, the, the Islamists, they, they won't have oh, the same. You know, at least the Germans had a bit of style. I mean, those SS officers dressed very well, thanks to um, Hugo Boss and so forth. <laughs> they were sharp. They were very sharp. At, yeah, Cool, cool uniforms. I don't think we're going to see that again. <laughs> That's a, you're right. We're not going to get, as Mitchell and Webb obviously pointed out, classic baddies. We're never going to no. get classic baddies again. No, no. Uh, well, you, you, you should be feeling a little pang now that or, or, or the last vestiges of Christianity are being destroyed in Middle East. Because I thought, you know, they, and they destroy Jonah's tomb and all those sorts of things ISIS are doing. It's, it's Laura, terrible. Laura has a fr- uh, an Iraqi friend whose sister was living in Iraq until three, four weeks ago. And she got out like the weekend before by pure coincidence she got out just in time is she a christian yeah sorry i should have said a christian christian iraqi like native iraqi christian God, nobody gives a toss nobody gives a toss about them nobody does Do I'm, know, i've not read any article just... i've not i've not read any uh, uh, guardian editorials about them sorry no, no no about actually people actually being crucified uh, that that's actually happening right now yeah people are being crucified crucified yes and nobody cares. Nobody gives a toss. Nobody, gives, nobody cares one bit. No. The thing, okay, so I'm going to say the thing that makes me most angry, and I know this. we should move on, and this, people are going to be bored of the subject already, mm. but it just that the thing that made my blood just explode out of my head was the Jon Snow thing, the, the tweeting the wrong picture. I know it's one case of many, many people who have done this, mm. but his follow-up tweet of, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, I accidentally tweeted a picture of a dead Syrian child. And therefore, dead. yes. Uh, Gazan child. It was the wrong type of Palestinian. Yeah. Not, and and he didn't do. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to stay calm. In doing that, he didn't have the perspicacity to recognise that that child was still dead. Instead, no. he apologised that it wasn't the right dead one. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I apologise that this child wasn't making the appropriate political point for me, and therefore needs to be. And, and failing to recognise how that changes the political point. It just... Well, there have been plenty. I've been looking at so many photoshopped images that there are deconstructed. Actually, no, that's of Syria. No, that's of this. No, that building doesn't actually exist there. You photoshopped that in. And there was an extraordinary uh, thing that was posted around and retweeted by a lot of uh, socialist workers types yesterday, where said, look at this poster that Israel's put up to um, gain, uh, to, to get donations for the troops, which is weird enough. And it's got this kind of eerie-looking, um, near-Aryan girl holding a pot 
uh, asking for money with a line in the background saying, and look at how it compares with a, with, with a Nazi poster of, uh, in, the, in the late, late 30s, early 40s. They're, they're copying the Nazis. And of course, this was a fabricated poster that had been copied from somewhere else and had been pasted on and you could see the fabrication and then they revealed this, its sources revealed. Nobody apologized for putting it up. It was just, it just entered the narrative at that point. And, and I certainly feel that there is a, I think, uh, I, and I, I'm, you know, I'm the last to say this, but I think I'm, I think this is revealing a kind of darker side of Twitter. And I've certainly been feeling it myself. You feel that it doesn't. It's, it's not even like a mailing list, like Bemley or a news group, where you 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 can rebut things in a considered and lengthy way. It's like you've got this whole torrent of wasps flying about and feeding one another, mm-hmm. and you have absolutely no power to to swat them all at once, and they just come at you in this swarm. And truths are manufactured in a nanosecond that then spread like a disease and it's very difficult to uh i'm not going to be all now showy about it but it is it's 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 interesting that i've really noted that there's a difference in tone and hysterical reaction compared to even when cast lead was around and somebody pointed out yes at that point twitter and facebook weren't what they are now and well, it's been, i wonder whether there's something a part of that i think it's been a big part of it has been the 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 stop the war type this kind of uh, broken left wing thinking is it's all been a build up toward it isn't it it's this idea that if it's the western world it's automatically evil and you know mm. stop the war won't get involved in if in, in Ukraine because no. it's nothing to do with Britain or the US oh suddenly they're involved because it's it's Israel yeah um, but whatever you know one third the Muslim Brotherhood that's not surprising um, yeah. but yeah yeah it's a, this has been a kind of this is a just a culmination of a gradual movement of the left to become an extremely right-wing, well, yeah, well, in, if you ally uh, it, movement, if you ally yourself with the most right-wing, repressive of all of ideologies, you have to become like that because otherwise, then, there's no allyship. Oh, you hear? You heard, heard about the uh, the show that got cancelled at the Edinburgh Free? Yes, yeah, yes. it was fun. Yes. Well, I think um, I was thinking about Nick Nick Cohen talking about the um, the extremities where you know where women the the universities trying to segregate audiences in the in the in the name of freedom of speech and this sort of idea it's all that aspect yes quite. I, I was thinking about I was talking to a friend about this this morning I was thinking about uh, MH17 yes remember the story about the hundred uh, AIDS researchers who were supposed to have been killed on this flight um, you, you, but hold on a moment you uh, talked about MH yes I hold that point but I just remember mm-hmm. this Jon Snow John's, one of Jon Snow's first responses to MH17 was I hope this doesn't allow the Zionists to distract us from what's going on in Gaza. Oh, good. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so that was widely reported on the news, but you know, pretty much every newspaper, every major news station reported yeah. the story of the hundred AIDS leading world AIDS researchers, world leading AIDS researchers who done this. Six died on the plane, and it's terrible that those six died. Obviously, it doesn't need saying. And how did it become a hundred? And it became a hundred because of a miscommunication. Uh, it was an Australian conference. Uh, within the conference, they were said, "Look, there's a number of people aren't going to be able to make it to this conference because of this flight going down. There were people on board. 
Um, we don't know what the number is, you know, and someone at the conference said it could be something around 100 or something like that. And mm. this got mentioned to the press and the press didn't check the facts. I imagine the conference, I imagine the conference probably said, well, how many people are flying in? Oh, it's about 100 people flying yeah. in. Yeah. Well, really, so, they're not alone. Exactly. So this yeah. number came from nowhere. It was not verified by any press organisations. Well, no, that's not fair. Some eventually did dig into it to discover the, the truth, but it was reported by pretty much everywhere as a fact that 100 AIDS researchers had died on, on this flight. Um, that six died is, is, is very, very sad. Um, it wasn't 100. I think that, I think everyone has to tattoo that story onto their brains. To, yes. me- to absolutely remember that every news organisation of every bias and every leaning in every part of the world reported that 100 AIDS researchers yeah. died on yes. that plane. And they did not. And you have to remember that when you read every news story, whether it's about a garden gnome exhibition in Norwich... Yes, or the conflict in Syria, or whatever it is, you have to remember a hundred AIDS research. Well, obviously, obviously, it's not going to be any news story about the conflict of Syria. That's all finished now. Well, that's all over now. The public, yeah. yeah. But the but that, that there were no news stories saying that they didn't die on the plane. There was the BBC yeah. didn't lead the headline news tonight is that it turns out it was six people. That well, that wasn't no. that didn't happen. It's not been corrected. It's just the truth is out there, but the story's got being being and gone, and you I... have to filter everything through that filter. have you noticed something what's that but whenever you listen to read or watch a news report that involves an area you do yes. happen to know something about it gets it hideously wrong and you have to turn it off because you get angry it's almost as if you could extrapolate from that yes but have you noticed that there is no topic about which you are heavily invested and yes are knowledgeable that you will feel the news does a good job on that ever and indeed, I've, I often test when people kind of Games. say, "Oh, but you can trust you can trust the news on most things." And I say, um, and then, "Well, this isn't about conspiracy theories. This is just about laziness." Um, so I'll yeah. say, "Well, do you remember a local news story that you were involved in, and then you saw it reported? And was there were there any mistakes?" And people will genuinely go, "Oh, yeah, there was." A, yeah. It's like I remember there was there was a, there was a murder in Guildford near near where my dad works, yes. um, in an alleyway near where his surgery is. Yes, um, and they filmed this alleyway by pointing the cameras in one particular direction. And then the local news that evening said, said the murder had happened in a sleepy village. Yes. If they'd rotated their cameras 180 degrees, they would have been filming Guildford Town Centre. <laughs> it wasn't in a sleepy village. They just basically filmed the story to bend it to be the version of the story they'd rather was true. Yeah, it's not conspiracy. But I just happen it, it, to it, know the location of that one story. It's, it's laziness and that, you know, a sausage factory is a very busy place. And it's good TV. Mm. Fair it's enough. a much better, you know, a murder in a sleepy town, a sleepy town area, a sleepy area of town is much more terrifying and thrilling yeah. to hear about than uh, a murder in, in a town high, near a town high school. So why did you do it? Was it a woman driver who got on your nerves again by not being able to parallel park? That's... <laughs> you, you surprised me. Though. I thought you were just going to c- continue on your I get mad because I observed, I, I used a pronoun when being cross with someone. Uh, that was appropriate to the person, the genitals of the person driving. Yeah, that you car. said you, you bloody in, uh, inadequate womb holding. I said you, why chromosome lacking old whore? Exactly. I said. That's, That's all I you said. said. You were just, you were just being factual. I was exactly. Um, oh, no, and, and indeed, of course, in the same circumstances, Such with a, a, pity with a man, I would have probably said, "Oh, you horrible, stupid, brilliant, superior person." Yes. Um, no, uh, but parallel parking threw me. Laura's very good at parallel parking, you know, and she is actually a woman. Is she? Yeah, but she's also a scientist, so we know that she's she's got a special brain module. <laughs> she had one installed. She uh, did. 
Ironic, uh, ironically, your little boy is going to be completely uncoordinated and won't ever be able to drive, and will just be kind of a complete and utter malco. What if he's? What if? What if I don't like him? Um, give him up for adoption. There are plenty okay. of people. There, look, there are plenty of people who who want uh, a lovely middle class baby. <laughs> so if you can make their dreams come true, everybody wins, and you can then you can get one. And, and next time, have a girl. Uh, a girl makes a better first baby. I've been told. Well, I'm a boy, and I was the first baby, and I'm best. exactly. So that's just factually incorrect. Yeah, but you you knew you were you you knew you shouldn't have been a boy for a very long time. You only, Actually, only recently <laughs> only recently did you come to terms with the fact that you were okay with being one. <laughs> yeah, it was more my twenties rather than my childhood. But yeah, um, the I think I, I quite like the dynamic of the older brother little sister. I think it's a quite a nice dynamic. That's what I grew up with, and therefore it instantly feels the, the correct way around. Well, fair enough. Whereas um, for you, the only correct thing must be surely three boys. Well. It's interesting that um, you've immediately decided that your next, your it's next, gonna be, oh, if the next isn't a girl, then that, that, then that one is getting drowned. Well, for sure. No, 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 come on, we, 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 we can do better than that. There are gender reassignment surgeries that can okay. be done quite early on, and you bring up the little girl. Although when have people, I talked about when people try that, it doesn't, it doesn't work very well. Suddenly, Shocking. everything becomes very essentialist. Have you noticed? You know, when there was a problem with, uh, uh, there was a problem where they couldn't decide. There was some botched gentle surgery or something right. early on they said okay well it's going to be a girl then and they brought her up as a girl but she rebelled against it completely and it was it was a there was a a documentary about it and eventually said why the hell am i like this and said okay well when you were born you were nominally a boy and they felt a lot better so it's interesting suddenly there was a very gender essentialist uh pool there they're unlucky. Which, if only they'd been someone who uh, identified as the opposing gender, it would have worked out. It would have been a lovely coincidence for them. It would have been lovely, yes. What a shame. The, yeah. Um, yeah, so did I, have I talked about what happens if the baby's born on my birthday? I can't remember if I've brought this up on the podcast. Well, obviously it won't be, because what you'll do is you'll tell Laura to cross her legs and wait. Exactly. So the due date is two days before my birthday, and obviously... Which means that it's likely to be on your birthday more than on its due date. And, and that, I think it's fair to say at that point, it gets uh, put into a, uh, a woven basket and pushed down a river. Well, of course. I uh, am not having my birthday taken away from me for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear you're already building up resentments against your unborn boy. But look, <laughs> look, no, John, to be fair, I, I would have been the same if I'd have been given the bad news. <laughs> See, what I will do is just lie. Say, oh, you were born. No, you were born on the 4th of November, which is my sister's birthday. So it's a much better yeah. date to ruin. For remember, remember the 4th of November. Exactly. Which is when you were born. <laughs> That's how he'll remember it. Yes. He'll oh, love it, and then I'll find his birth difficult. Oh, that reminds me, you were going to talk about this on the podcast. Oh, we'll do it next time. We're already no, at 43 minutes. No, do it this minutes. time. We'll never, you'll never No, no, it. no, no. We're at 43 minutes. I will, I will. But we're nearly finished. And also, I've got a big problem that this room that I'm in is so boiling hot. I'm actually melting. This room, do, you, do, I, do you know I bought the greatest thing I've ever bought in my whole life? A wife. <laughs> Another new wife. <laughs> I bought an air conditioner. Really? A real one? A real, a real cheap one. <laughs> I got an Argos air conditioner. An Argos air conditioner. What is that? A, a Polish man breathing on you? <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's actually quite good. It's a bit leaky. 
Um, <laughs> oh, is it one of those things that you have to empty a big tank of water that it pulls out of all your sweat? No, every it's not. Minutes? It's not a dehumidifier. It's not one of those ones where you pour the tank in. It's just. I think it's. I think it might have just been because it was new and settling in. It does seem to have stopped leaking of late. But it's uh, a proper air conditioner. It's only eight thousand air conditioning units, whatever they actually With are. With an elephant's trunk. Uh, it has a, I have had to I have had to construct an elephant's trunk because, of course, coming from Argos, it came with a one-inch-long hose. Right. Uh, for people whose uh, windows are on the floor. Right. Okay. So I had to uh, first. We had my, the first version. It's so it's a meter and a half long. So we've got a big long table that Laura had from when she when before we lived together. Mm-hmm. Um, on really has really long metal legs. So it's a sat on top of that, and then we had the hose going out the window, but it's still the weight pulled it back in again. So do you remember my uh, my mug, my um, labservative mug? Yes. <laughs> um, I tied that to the end of it, so it would dangle out the window and wouldn't come back in again. I always get upset about the way that those things require you to have the window open because I worry that that's going to affect the efficiency. Well, it does. It does affect the efficiency and it does come, it comes with instructions for and the bits and pieces for putting it through the wall, which is what you really should do. So do it. Uh, I'm too scared to drill a hole in the wall of my house. Well, then get Laura's dad to do it. I should get Laura's dad to do it. That would be, that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, But I just have the hose going out the window and then the curtain pulled across and it it does the trick. And it's, my room becomes this, like Laura comes home from work and runs into my study. (gasps) It's amazing. Oh, I'm feeling jealous now. But now I went to. I should say envious because I don't have one yet. Yeah. We went to uh, B and Q Uh and I got uh, a three meter long metal hose that's the wrong size, but it has a kind of uh, an adju- has a little adapter, and then I've duct taped it onto the shorter hose, and now I've got this enormous elephant's trunk, ah, and a giant penis. <laughs> I see. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. it's great. I can't have it on. I'll turn it on now, and you can hear what it would have been like if I'd had it on during the podcast. Here we go. Yes. There you go. Oh goodness. And that's, it hasn't got going yet. I have to wait a little while. It actually gets going properly. I should point the hose back out the window. I took it in from the window because it was raining this morning. Good heavens. There it's we go. An, it's and very it, noisy. It'll get going now. Hang on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Oh, it's just on fan mode at the moment. It's not air conditioning at all. This is brilliant. This is everyone. This is what everyone was listening for for 169 episodes. Brilliant. Come on, you rubbish thing. I hate it now. Oh, dear. Oh, there we go. And you you sleep with that? No, no, because it's in my it's in my uh, in my study. However, uh, it does occur to me. I have turned it off. There we go. It does occur to me that um, this will be a brill thing when the baby is born, even though it's October, because it'll be a lovely white noise generator. Oh yes, of course. And also, we'll cool the baby down. Well, exactly. So it, can, it, it, it works as a fan. It, it does a fan mode as well. And it does also, you can switch it to, uh, to thingy doodah mode. Zyklon B mode. That's right, Zyklon B mode. Or when the baby's making too much noise. Yeah, exactly. Or mm. you can just set it to a mode where it just gently releases carbon monoxide into the room until the baby goes to sleep. Oh. So that's good. Um, yeah. And so uh, that, I think that would be brilliant for getting the baby to sleep. My friend in America, they used to use the air conditioner to get their baby to sleep. Yes. Because they lived in, a, in an apartment in Chicago, so it was naturally quite noisy around the building. And mm-hmm. the air conditioner would just wipe that out. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Good, good. You, good there times. Are, you will use, there, there are some white noise generating apps which you'll try to use with your baby as well. I and, 
when you're not just driving him round and round the block at three in the morning. <laughs> Someone's bought us a, as an extraordinarily generous present, one of Laura's colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, a very, very lovely man. He's a man, he, he reminds me of you in terms of his intelligence. His name's Saran. Mm-hmm. And uh, he recently did a maths master's on the train because he had to commute. So he thought he was bored on those commutes. So he did a, a maths master's on that the train. Fun. And he got a first in that. Good, good, good. And now he's doing another master's. I, th- I don't know. He's collecting like, master's. Something like that. And yeah. he's, uh, yeah, he's just a bit of a proper genius whiz. Cool. He's a rather, lo- rather lovely chap at the same time. And so he bought a present. He's bought us a, a, a baby monitor, which has a motion sensor on it, which I think will basically mean we'll be just perpetually terrified. You will. Uh, those are awful. Make sure you disable it, because otherwise you will just have a nervous breakdown. Exactly. I, I think, I don't know if I'll have, I, like, is motion, like, too much motion? Well, I still worry about that. I've never heard anybody who's happy about those motion sensors. <laughs> a lack of motion means asleep, not dead, surely. Yes. Surely that's yeah. good. You'd hope so. Exactly. Right, what's going on here? Where are we? Oh, 48. Gosh, it's a long one, isn't it? Well, the others, the last few were very short. So. They were They were a letdown, I think. They weren't. They were, the, the most recent one was a, wasn't very good. The Southampton one was a bit boring. But the yeah. rest of the ones on board. Victoria, my one, I, I, I enjoyed. Laura said she enjoyed it very much. I very much enjoyed listening to your and Laura's one. I thought well, that was really fun. Oh, that was fun, yes. We talked a bit about science. And Jesus. Yeah. And dolphins. And, and dolphins. whales. And you. And me. That was the best bit was when you talked about it me, because I am Brill. <laughs> Shall we say goodbye to the listener? Okay, goodbye to the listener. Hasta luego. Bye-bye.